Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you. So happy to be here. We've got an hour of entertainment and information. It's Birdsong on the radio. Yes, we're going to have some news commentary and opinion today, and we're going to have some dumb criminal law stories, a few riddles, and of course a Paul Harvey story. Now, you know that I've been starting my news and commentary and opinion with uh, what I call the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's not all the news that happened last week, but it's news that I want to talk about. And uh, if you ever want to comment on it, you can email me at lbirdsong22 at gmail.com. Here's the good, the first good story of the last week. Some of you may have seen this. A Malian immigrant will be granted French citizenship for his daring Spider-Man-style rescue of a boy who was dangling from a fourth-floor balcony in Paris. Now, Mali is a landlocked country in West Africa. French pres- and it used to be a French uh, colony. French President Emmanuel Macron uh, fast-tracked the residency process for Mamadou Gassama, who scaled the facade of an apartment building on Sunday, nimbly pulling himself up from balcony to balcony to reach the four-year-old child. Video of the stunning rescue which Gassama, 22, completed in less than a minute, went viral last Monday and landed him at the um, palace of the president of France in a face-to-face meeting with Macron, the president. Macron said this is an exceptional act, and uh, we know that he tried to get into France in 2014, but he was picked up. But at any rate, he is still waiting for asylum. The president said, your papers will be done straight away, and we will naturalize you as a French citizen. Macron said he hoped Gassama could find meaningful work. He goes on to say that he thinks you would be, he would be a great firefighter because this is what firefighters do. Now, Gassama suffered only a few scratches in the rescue. He was passing by the building when he noticed the commotion over the dangling boy, and he leaped into action. He did the, He said, I did this because it was a child. I climbed. Thank God I saved him. In the video, uh, video of the rescue, onlookers are heard cheering and applauding as Gassama scrambles upward. With two bystanders trying to help from a neighborhood balcony or neighboring balcony, he grabs the boy by the arm and hoists him back over the railing. Now, the child had been left unattended by his parents, according to the French TV station BFM. His father, the father of the four-year-old boy, was arrested on suspicion of not fulfilling his parental responsibility. That's one of the good stories of last week. Bravo Le Spidey, says the headline. Migrant saves kid, wins citizenship. What a nice and good story for the week. 
Another good story is that the off-and-on-again summit between President Trump and Kim Jong-un of North Korea is on for June 12th. On for June 12th. That's good news. We hope something good will come from this. As I may have told you, normally when there are meetings like this, the presidents or the top leaders of the country don't meet until after many of the lower level uh, ambassadors and workers have hammered out what the agenda would be. However, there doesn't work that way this time. Mr. Trump and Mr. Kim Jong-un will meet and talk about perhaps ending the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Now, that's the good. Here comes some of the bad. With respect to this summit, we know that it's going to be on an island resort off the coast of Singapore. It's been reported that United States event planners are working day and night with their North Korean counterparts to set up the summit designed to bring an end to Pyongyang's nuclear weapons program. However, there's an awkward logistical issue which remains unresolved. According to people familiar with the talks, who's going to pay for for Kim Jong-un's hotel stay? The prideful but cash-for pariah state requires that a foreign country foot the bill at its preferred lodging. The Fullerton Hotel is a magnificent neoclassical hotel near the mouth of what's known as the Singapore River, where just one presidential suite costs more than $6,000 per night. Now, the mundane but diplomatically fraught billing issue is one of the numerous logistical concerns being hammered out between the White House and... uh, the North Koreans. The North Koreans don't have the money to pay. They would like the host country, Singapore, to pay their bill. We don't know if that's going to happen. They might want the United States to pay their bill, but right now the United States can't do that. Why? Because we have economic sanctions on North Korea. Now, the president could ask for a waiver from the Treasury Department, But I don't know that that's going to happen. North Korea has isolated itself for years. It's used a lot of its money to build up its nuclear program and ballistic missiles, but they do not have the $6,000 a night for a presidential suite in Singapore. That is part of the bad. (laughs) Now, there's more bad, as far as I'm concerned. We have a situation where in preparation of this summit between our president and the leader of North Korea, there was a a high-ranking North Korean emissary came to the United States last last week to meet with American officials. He is the first person in 18 years from North Korea to come to the United States to visit with officials. Kim Jong, his name is Kim Yong Chol. He's a top aide to the the, uh, leader of North Korea. And he's the regime's former spy chief. 
He arrived last week with a five-member entourage and went to the Millennium Hilton Hotel across from the United Stations building in New York. They did have money to pay for that. But uh, we also had Pompeo, the the uh, Secretary of State, in a meeting with them. But my problem is that they had a meeting later at the White House. Now, the State Department did not release any details about the meeting, but it was two hours in the White House, the North Korean second-in-control, a former spy chief sitting in the Oval Office, taking in who knows what. I think that's bad. I think that the president should have met him somewhere in a neutral place. Now, we will see what happens. Again, this fellow Kim Yong-chol is the most senior North Korean emissary to meet with a top American official in the United States since Vice Chairman Joe Myung-rock's 2000 White House visit with President Bill Clinton. I just don't like the idea of former spy chiefs for North Korea in the White House and in our Oval Office. It just doesn't smell right to me. The North Koreans are very tricky. I hope this summit pays off and some good will come from it. You heard it from me, Birdsong. I used to be in the diplomatic service here in the United States, and I just have some bad feelings about some of this. Other bad news of the week that you may have heard about, the headline says, Agent of Chaos, a dancing fed drops his gun and hurts one. (laughs) This story says he was trying to bust a move but ended up busting a cap. You may have heard that an off-duty FBI agent dropped his gun doing a backflip on the dance floor of a Denver bar then accidentally shot a fellow dancer while scrambling to pick up his gun. The unidentified FBI agent was showing off his moves for a crowd of enthused onlookers at the Mile High Spirits Distillery and Tasting Bar around 12.45 a.m. on Saturday when he capped the routine with a backflip video obtained by the Denver's ABC of where video obtained by Denver's ABC affiliate shows him doing the backflip, and as the lawman lands, his gun goes flying out of the holster and onto the floor. The agent pounces for the weapon, but while picking it up, he accidentally squeezes off a single round. There's a muscle flash. There's a muzzle flash in the picture. And the crowd changes from amusement to horror. The shot struck a man in the lower leg. And the agent ran out after tucking his gun back in the holster. Everyone was kind of shocked, said one onlooker. Now, the unidentified victim was treated at an area hospital for a non-life-threatening injury, according to ABC. And the agent was taken to the Denver police headquarters and eventually released to who? An FBI handler, the network reported. 
No charges have been filed, but I think that this FBI agent's career may be on the skids. I don't know why an FBI agent is doing backflips in a dance hall with his gun in his holster. It sounds pretty bad and ridiculous to me. All right. We will hear probably more about this. Now let's go on to the ugly. You've heard some of the good. You've heard some of the bad. And now on to the ugly. And this has to do with pardons. I don't know what you think about pardons. The Constitution gives the president the right to pardon people. And President Trump last week announced that he's giving a full pardon to a conservative provocateur by the name of Dinesh D'Souza, while at the same time considering clemency for Martha Stewart and imprisoned former Illinois Governor Rob Blagojevich. Now, this is uh, the president using his powers to do what he wants. Trump's critics suggest that the pardons amount to a signal from the president to associates implicated in the Russian probe that he would consider pardoning them. Among the critics, Senator Mark Warner of Virginia, the senior Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is investigating, says that uh, the president's ad hoc use of pardon power is concerning, very concerning, very concerning. And he went on to say that it's worse that he may be sending messages to witnesses in criminal investigations. Now, most people in the world don't know much about pardons. I've never actually been in a situation where someone has been pardoned in my legal life. However, I do know I did work for the Department of Justice. The power, the pardon power under Article 2 of the Constitution is one of the president's most absolute. Now, however, since George Washington, presidents have for the most part voluntarily accepted restraints on their ability to pardon. Starting in 1789, government lawyers have been designated to review pardon applications, and since 1865, presidents have typically relied on a review by the Justice Department before granting clemency or a pardon. Mr. Trump has broken some norms by bypassing all of that history and just willy-nilly pardoning whoever he wants to. Some of the people he depart, he's uh, pardoned aside from Mr. D'Souza was Louis Scooter Libby and Joe Arpaio, the former Maricopa, Maricopa County, Arizona sheriff. All right. I don't know. It's ugly. Very ugly. Bypassing the Department of Justice and willy-nilly issuing pardons. Now, there's a little more. I'm not finished yet. You may remember that last week I talked about a young man, Michael Rotundo, who had been living in his parents' house for the last 10 years, and they evicted him. They went to court to evict their son who would not leave. Well, there's a story that says he's out but can't let go, L-E-G-O, Lego, of a grudge. 
Michael Rotondo finally left his parents' home last Friday before delivering one last parting shot at them. What did he do? He sicked the police on his dad over some missing Legos. The infamous 30-year-old, whose parents won a court order to evict him from their suburban Syracuse home, called 911, reporting that his father, Mark, wouldn't let him go into the home's basement to search for his 8-year-old son's Lego blocks. The 61-year-old father offered to look for the toys and other items Rotundo wanted to take with him, but the layabout still whined like a baby. This isn't a gun, this isn't a game show, he told Syracuse.com. I don't have a guess what's behind door number one. The police did show up. The Legos were found and Rotondo finally vacated at around 9.30 a.m. on the day that he was supposed to leave, according to the judge's court order. He was out, but he couldn't let go of a grudge against his parents. That, folks, is ugly. Now, what's even uglier about this story about Michael Rotondo? We just found out that he has, well, no, we knew he had a son. The son is eight years old, and Mr. Rotundo is $5,000 behind in child support payments to the mother. That is ugly. This is Birdsong. I'll be back with you with a little more ugly. Stay with us. Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet radio program. And now you can read more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com Hey folks, this is Birdsong back with you. Big show today. I've talked about the good and the bad of some of the news of the week. I even talked a little bit about the ugly. But there's more ugly to talk about. The president himself now says Comey was not fired over the Russian probe. You know, Mueller, former FBI head, has been investigating the Russia probe into our election of 2016. Last week, President Donald Trump declared that he didn't fire FBI Director James Comey over the Russian investigation 
despite previously citing that is his reason. He said that to Lester Holt on television. His lawyer, that is Mr. Trump's lawyer, meanwhile, blasted federal investigators as, or the federal investigation as a lynching mob. Trump's attempt to revise the public statement on Comey's firing came as Mr. Giuliani, one of his lawyers, who's been on television, drew criticism for comparing special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation to a lynching mob, and the Justice Department released a report revealing that the special counsel's Russia probe has cost at least $16 million. Now, this is ugly. It sounds ugly. But we also found last week that Mr. Trump's trip to his summer home, Mar-a-Lago, in Florida on the government jet cost $1 million for each trip. How many trips has he taken since being in office? 16 trips costing $16 million. Now, there's more. Mr. Giuliani, who's gone on television, I think he's the worst lawyer in the world. He gets things wrong. He doesn't seem to know the law. Mr. Giuliani said that the President of the United States could shoot and kill James Comey in the Oval Office of the White House and not be indicted. Now, I don't know about that. Usually, you don't indict a sitting president, but there are exceptions. Mr. Trump now, after saying that, or after hearing Giuliani saying that, Trump now tweets, or he tweeted last week, that he has the power to pardon himself. He says legal experts say that. Now, I don't consider myself a complete legal expert, but I've been in the law for about 40 years, and I've worked in the Department of Justice and the Department of State. Normally, a president could not pardon himself. It comes from English law that came over to the colonies and came part of American law. A judge can't also not be the defendant. He cannot pardon himself. But anyway, Mr. Trump says, although he has the absolute power, he says he won't do it. Now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the State Department sent me to Germany, and they sent me to German language school. Before that, at Howard University, I took two years of French. My French was never good, but I first worked in West Africa, my first assignments, and I have to travel. had to travel through a number of French-speaking former French colonies in Africa, in West Africa. And so I still remember a little French. Here's one that you may or may not have heard. Les tats, c'est moi. Those were the words of King Louis the Sixteenth, King Louis the Sixteenth of France. He said that sometime shortly before 1793 during the revolution, the French Revolution. L'état, c'est moi. I am the state. I make all the rules. Well, it didn't really work out well for King Louis the Sixteenth because he was beheaded on the guillotine in January of 1793. He was no longer the state. The French Revolution took over. 
Mr. Trump is starting to sound sort of like King Louis the Sixteenth. I can't be, I can pardon myself. Mr. Trump also says the investigation into the Russian probe is unconstitutional because he has done nothing wrong. This is all very ugly, folks. You may love Mr. Trump. Many of you do. He's our president. I have to respect that. But some of these statements are just downright wrong and pretty ugly. The investigation is not unconstitutional. Even if Trump did nothing, you cannot obstruct a Justice Department investigation. If you're not guilty of something, that doesn't mean you cannot be investigated. It's done every day, every day. This is ugly, folks. We'll see what happens. This is Birdsong. Maybe you learn a little bit here. We'll see what happens. Stick with Birdsong. There's more to say. on back with you folks um, we talk some news news commentary and opinion the good the bad the ugly i bring it to you each week there'll be more right now let's get into some dumb criminal law stories these stories are from the beginning of this year 2018 our first story today is from florida oh and these stories are all true this florida story the headline read help police i'm drunk Polk County Sheriff officials report a New Year's Eve situation wherein the police dispatcher did a wonderful job of urging Michael Lester to park his truck and wait for officers to find him. Mr. Lester called police and advised them that he had been driving around all night, quote, trying to get pulled over. At another point in the call, he said, I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. After deputies caught up with him, they said, Mr. Lester admitted drinking several beers and swallowing some crystal meth. Oh, my God. He also confided that he had barely slept for several days. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, my God. Help police, I'm drunk. Well, he did a good thing. Here's a story from Ireland some of you may have heard about. The headline says he hit the bottle, a ditch, and himself. Police say they found Brian Fogg, 27, behind the wheel of a car stuck in a ditch in Belfast. However, when they asked him to take a blood alcohol test, he hit himself in the face three times, causing himself to bleed, so police would have to give him first aid. Nevertheless, Mr. Fogg was charged with criminal mischief and operating a motor vehicle while under the influence. Can we say maybe he was in a fog? <laughs> Here's one from New Jersey. A $1,500 belt swiped and found. A $1,500 belt swiped and found. 
A passenger at Newark Airport in early January 2018 took off his $1,500 Louis Vuitton belt for a security screening, and it was allegedly stolen by a janitor, according to Port Authority police. The New Jersey man, 28, took off his belt when he went through security around 8 p.m., but couldn't find it at the other end, so he reported it stolen. Police scanned security footage and saw airport cleaner Osmal Reyes, 43, allegedly in possession of the bill. We learn that Reyes faces a charge of theft after police confronted him and found the belt rolled up in a side pocket of his work trolley. If I had a $1,500 Louis Vuitton belt, I wouldn't wear it through an airport, would you? <laughs> Glad he got it back. Here's a story from New York City. Lady Godiva, she wasn't. Those of you who don't know, Lady Godiva was a woman in old England who did something the king didn't like, and they made her ride through the town of London completely naked on a white horse. All right, the headline, Lady Godiva, she wasn't. We learned that an irate Manhattan judge gave a harsh sentence to an abusive father who forced the mother of his child to walk naked through the winter streets of Harlem for texting other men. The judge lambasted Jason Mello for his views that were derived from outdated medieval interpretation of gender roles that had, quote, belonged to the Dark Ages, said the judge. So the judge sentenced Mr. Mello to a prison term of two and a third years to seven years. Mello had earlier been convicted by a jury on counts of coercion, assault, menacing, aggravated harassment, and endangering the welfare of a child. Well, he sounds like a real baddie, doesn't he? <laughs> Lady Cadiva, she was not, huh? Here's another one from early January of this year. Shampoo thief in the tour bus, says the headline. The shampoo thief in the tour bus. A drunken dranton, a drunken dandruff shampoo thief, dashed out of a drugstore near Times Square one Friday afternoon in January 2018. And what happened? He ran smack into a tour bus, breaking his leg and at least one of the plastic bottles of stolen shampoo. The unidentified man wound up splayed out on the pavement on 47th and 8th Street, I'm sorry, 47th Street and 8th Avenue, along with nine $8.95 bottles of Head & Shoulders Old Spice Swagger Shampoo for Men. He was placed on a gurney and taken to Bellevue Hospital, said police, who described the man as 39 years old, homeless, emotionally disturbed, and highly intoxicated, and probably with a lot of dandruff. <laughs> The shampoo thief in the tour bus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here's a story from Ohio. Headline. He popped the vault, then he popped the question. Early this year, a man accused of robbing a bank and using the stolen proceeds to buy his girlfriend an engagement ring is a fellow by the name of uh, Dustin Peterson. He's 36 years old. Peterson, 36, allegedly stole $8,000 from a Fifth Third Bank in the town of Trenton, Ohio, and then bought a $4,500 ring less than an hour later. He was soon caught and arrested. 
There is no news concerning the proposed wedding date. However, it may have to take place in jail. <laughs> he popped the vault, then he popped the question. Here's a sad one from Pennsylvania. Headline, Top Cop in Teen Sex Bust. We learn that the wife of a police chief charged with soliciting sex online from an undercover agent posing as a 14-year-old girl says her family has been shattered. Leechburg Police Chief Michael Dibel's wife released a statement about the matter in the second week of January of this year. The police chief, 40, was arrested two days earlier than his wife's statement at a spot where he allegedly hoped to meet the girl he thought he had been communicating, or with whom he had been communicating. Dibel is listed on the Leechburg's website. A message to the Leechburg Police Department was never returned. I guess not. Top cop in teen sex bust. <laughs> Except there was no teen, nothing but another hairy leg cop posing as a 14-year-old girl. How do people get themselves into this? Another story from Pennsylvania. The headline read, They were dopey rollers. They were dopey rollers. An overweight husband and wife duo allegedly stole a purse from a Walmart shopper and sped away on motorized scooters provided by the store. Robert Durwall, 54, and Don Hosey, 45, were caught on camera snatching a customer's purse, were caught on camera snatching a customer's purse at the store in the town of Homedale, I'm sorry, Holmesdale, and rolling away. Police report that they later surrendered. This next story says it comes from Spain and Portugal. And the headline goes, Pina Coladas, anyone? Authorities say that Colombian drug smugglers were finally arrested for shipping 1,600 pounds of cocaine to Spain and Portugal, hidden in what? Hollowed-out pineapples during the year 2017, 1,600 pounds of cocaine to Spain and Portugal hidden in hollow out, hollowed out pineapples. Pina coladas, anyone? <laughs> Sri Lanka. Headline. A stampede of elephants forced Sri Lankan police to flee from a stakeout. We learn that the police were spying on a suspected marijuana growing operation near a nature preserve when the pachyderms came a-running. Quote, the officers dropped their weapons and fled to save their lives when the elephants charged, the police said. We wonder whether the marijuana growers had anything to do with sicking the elephants on the police. <laughs> Send in the elephants. Texas, a strange story from Texas. Headline says, God said the defendant was not guilty. A judge barged into a jury a judge barred into a jury deliberation room to announce, quote, God had told him the defendant in the case was not guilty. Comal County Judge Jack Robinson later apologized for the interruption, but said, quote, when the Lord tells me I got to do something, I got to do it. This is according to a report. Unfortunately, the jury didn't get the news from the Lord. They found Gloria Romero Perez, the defendant, guilty of 
found her guilty of trafficking a teenage girl. How sad. Finally, our last story for today comes from Thailand. The headline, an ugly American if there ever was one, says the headline. A U.S. tourist was arrested in Thailand's Phuket Airport in early January 2018 <clears throat> after he overdosed on Viagra, stripped naked, and went on a rampage. It's been reported that Steve Cho allegedly shouted like a maniac and threw his own feces at airport security guards before he was arrested by police. Pew. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, those are our stories, our dumb criminal law stories for this week. These stories never end. They're all true. How about a few riddles here? They're easy riddles. Number one, what is hard to beat for breakfast? What is hard to beat for breakfast? Number two, what can fly to the moon and taste great at parties? What can fly to the moon and taste great at parties? Finally, what happened to the man who was going to plant some herbs in his garden? What happened to the man who was going to plant some herbs in his garden? What do you think happened? Well, I'll come back with the answers to these riddles. Yeah, after we hear a Paul Harvey story. This is Birdsong. Stick with me. There's more to come, and you'll like it. been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet radio program. And now you can read more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back with you here. It's time for a Paul Harvey story. You know, I know he was a great broadcaster. I like to hear him on the radio. He delivered these stories called The Rest of the Story. The, son, the stories were written by his son, Paul Arant. 
This story is called Eulogy for an Owl. His name was Walter Elias, a city boy by birth, the son of a building contractor. Before Walter was five, his parents moved from Chicago to a farm near Marceline, Missouri, and it was there on the farm that Walter would have his first encounter with death. Walter was only seven, that particular lazy afternoon, not much different from other afternoons. Dad was tending to farm chores. Mother was in the house. It was the perfect day for a young fellow to go exploring. Now, just beyond a grove of graceful willows was an apple orchard. There, Walter could make believe to his heart's content that he was lost, which he never was, or that he had captured a wild animal, which he never had. But today was different. Directly in front of him, about 30 feet away, perched in the low, drooping branch of an apple tree and apparently sound asleep, was an owl. The boy froze. He remembered his father telling him that owls rested during the day so they could hunt by night. What a wonderful pet that funny little bird would make, if only Walter could approach it without awaking it and snatch it from the tree. With each step, the lad winced to hear dry leaves and twigs crackle beneath his feet. The owl did not stir. Closer and closer, and at last young Walter was standing under the limb just within range of his quarry. Slowly he reached up with one hand and grabbed the bird by its legs. He had captured it. But the owl waked. But the owl, waking suddenly, came alive like no other animal Walter had ever seen. In a flurry of beating wings, wild eyes, and frightened cries, it struggled against the boy's grasp. Walter, stunned, held on. Now, it's difficult to imagine how what happened next. Perhaps the response was sparked by gouging talons or the fear or by fear itself. But at some point, the terrified boy, still clinging to the terrified bird, flung it to the ground and stomped it to death. When it was over, a disbelieving Walter gazed down at the broken heap of bronze feathers and blood, and he cried. Walter ran from the orchard, but later returned to bury the owl. The little pet, the little pet he would never know, each shovel full of earth from the shallow grave was moistened with tears of deep regret. And for months thereafter, the owl visited Walter's dreams. Ashamed, he would tell no one of the incident until many years later. By then, the world forgave him. For that sad and lonely summer's day in the early spring of Walter Elias's brought with it an awakening of the meaning of life. Walter never ever again killed a living creature. Although all the boyhood promises could not bring that one little owl back to life, through its death a whole world of animals came into being. For it was then that a grieving seven-year-old boy, attempting to atone for a thoughtless misdeed, first sought to possess the animals of the forest while allowing them to run free by drawing them. Now the boy, too, is gone, but his drawings live on in the uncomparable, undying art of Walter Elias Disney, Walt Disney.
And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> Eulogy for an owl. <laughs> All right, this is Birdsong. Having a great time with you. Got a couple of things I want to do here. I want to give you the thought of the day, but first I'm going to give you the answer to the riddles. Did any of you figure them out? First one. What is hard to beat for breakfast? What is hard to beat for breakfast? The answer, a boiled egg. <laughs> it's hard to beat for breakfast. Second, what can fly to the moon and taste great at parties? What can fly to the moon and taste great at parties? The answer, rocket chips. <laughs> rocket chips, get it? All right. These are easy. Finally, the man was going to plant some herbs in his garden. What happened? Well, he didn't plant them because he couldn't find the thyme, T-H-Y-M-E. <laughs> he didn't plant the garden because he couldn't find the thyme, T-H-Y-M-E. <laughs> Those are our riddles for this week. Let me end with the thought of the day. Here it is. Succeeding in America is easy. That's why everyone wants to come here. People haven't plotted and schemed for the last 50 years saying, quote, if I could just get to Poland, everything would be okay. <laughs> Succeeding in America is easy. That's my thought for the day. This is Birdsong. It's been a pleasure being with you. I hope you come back next week for more information, news, opinion, commentary, and some dumb criminal law stories and riddles. Talk to you next week. <laughs>